Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by UNA, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Corey Connors. Corey and I have been on this sort of parallel creator journey. First, we were part of the first 100 to go through the LinkedIn Creator Accelerator program, and now we're going together through the LinkedIn Podcast Academy. Corey is the host of the Sustainable Packaging Podcast, where he welcomes industry experts to discuss ways to make packaging more sustainable something procurement and supply chain pros will definitely want to learn more about. So, hi, Corey. Thanks so much for being with me on the Sourcing Hero podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Kelly. It's an honor to be here with you. Now, I shared a little bit kind of how we met, our journey as creators, and a little bit about your podcast. But what else would it be good for people to know about your professional experience? Well, I think it's important to, to know that I started at the bottom. My uh, my first job in this industry, my title was miscellaneous worker, and uh, <laughs> that's like guy third from the left in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and that was at uh, Warehouser, uh, which is a, a wonderful company making making corrugated boxes, which is where I got my nickname corrugated. Oh, uh, that's very clever. <laughs> but I think it's important to to understand that. In this industry, you can work your way up from uh, an entry-level position. You know, I was right out of high school, and I started making boxes, learned my way through their system, learned about all the equipment, paid attention to the different substrates. Uh, absolutely exciting to to look back at that history and, and see how that, paying attention to all those details have helped me so much in my career and made me a, a way more effective partner to, to my customers. It's so funny that you mentioned that because my first professional job was working for the company that owns uh, stop and shop supermarkets, among other things. And it just so happened that my high school and college job had been working in a stop and shop, you know, on the floor, stocking shelves. I worked a cash register. I really do think there is something to be said for an industry or a company where you can truthfully start as, you know, third person from the left in the back and work your way up because you you understand not only that place where the operation really happens, but you understand so much more detail than if you're, oh, today I'm pharma, then I'm going to work in, in corrugated. And I'm just going to assume a lot of these things are the same. I actually think that's an exciting journey to get to take. Definitely. It's an important, um, I think, lesson for a lot of people in this well, if let's say you're unhappy with your job, you know, it's it's never too late to pivot. It's never too late to say, I want to try something different because mm-hmm. I think you can take your current experience and parlay that into a, a new career. Absolutely. Now, when I think about sustainable packaging, you know, I don't have any experience in the space. My mind instantly goes to recycling corrugated cardboard. But mm-hmm. I'm sure you know it's a lot bigger than that. Different types of materials, uh, different types of packaging. 
What are some of the other materials that regularly come up in your conversations with experts? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot of, of debate right now of the plastic versus paper mm. um, dispute, if you will. Um, it's such an easy knee-jerk reaction to say plastic is bad, paper is good, let's move on and, and figure this all out together. Well, it's uh, it's an important thing to remember that plastic has um, an incredible track record and a performance that is unmatched yet, you know, so far. Um, we, we say there's nothing sustainable about rotten food. There's nothing sustainable about damaged products. So we need to look at performance before we move packaging materials to, to different styles. Um, but yeah, that is, is kind of known, you know, molded pole paper, uh, even even replacing things like peanuts with Scotch cushion lock, yeah. uh, which is a a, a paper uh, alternative to to um, plastic bubble, which is really cool and totally recycled and made from 100% recycled material. But there are a lot of other things to do in sustainable packaging, like focusing on using the minimal amount of materials, um, using using things that are compostable. That's something to consider as a, as a future, as the future rolls on. I just interviewed a company called Sway that makes seaweed, um, uh, material out of seaweed, which is really cool. Um, so lots of things happening in this world of sustainability. Now, this is my lack of knowledge of the space, but I feel like the obvious question I need to ask you, and maybe you talked with Sway about this and maybe not, does it smell <laughs> I did not even ask that. I should have, um, because I think we all have experienced that uh, yeah. seaweed washed up on the beach while we're sitting there, and it's not always the best experience. Yeah, low tide packaging <laughs> is not <laughs> probably what they're going for. But amazing that you could take something as varied as, you know, from cardboard to some type of paper to something that's water soluble or, or plastic or seaweed. And it can be part of this. So there's clearly a lot of room for innovation. Uh, yes. Is this also a space, and you talk about sort of optimizing a package design to not just work with more sustainable materials, but also literally use less packaging. Is this right. a space where AI and computer design are, are really advancing what companies can do um, in terms of using less material to figure out smarter ways to pack things. Absolutely. Uh, my friend Avelio Matos is really one of the leaders in that space, figuring out how to use AI technology to design new packaging. Um, his focus has been on making it beautiful, um, but I'm trying to work with him to make it uh, more effective in the sustainability space. And I think you'll see a lot of that in the future where, where companies will be able to even not, not even make a design um, into, until they've seen it virtually. Um, so think of all the materials wasted in, in sampling and in, in thought process absolutely, in, in, in trying new things and, so it's it's really exciting to me to to see the potential here. 
Now, the other megatrend, even beyond sort of the the AI and the computer-aided design, is the whole ESG movement. And this Mm -hmm. is something that procurement and supply chain professionals have been dealing with, truthfully, long before anybody called it ESG. I'm I'm sure the same thing is true for packaging. It used to be CSR or green something or other, you know, depending Mm -hmm. on your, your practice area. Have you seen either progress on that journey or a change in relationship between whoever is responsible for packaging design, usage, um, even purchase of in a company, and whoever is tasked with running the ESG program? Have most companies made that connection? Yes. Oftentimes, it's spread out amongst several people. Um, You know, there'll be an operations person that focuses on, uh, you know, the utilities and the uh, the conversion to electric shipping trucks, which is happening quickly, um, you know things like that. Uh, making sure that if you can have solar panels, you have them. If mm-hmm. you know things like that are happening, are are very interesting, and and I think a lot of people are very nervous about this transition um, to to scope one, scope two, scope three emission reporting to. Uh, to the extended producer responsibility, how is that going to affect them? Well, the answer is in a big way, and they need to be prepared soon, uh, very soon. And I, I hope their their packaging consultant understands what's going on and can help them adapt to these new laws. Now, you mentioned scope one, scope two, and scope three. So that's sort of the carbon emission side of things. When we start to think about performance metrics and improvement tracking, what are some of the things that companies are measuring on their journey to increase the sustainability of their packaging? Yeah, great question. A lot of it focuses on things like water usage, uh, electrical uh, output, electrical consumption. Uh, One of our great sponsors is called Specrite. And they take all of your data and they put it into a system that can, in 30 minutes, report something that used to take three weeks to do um, because it has all of your information in the system. And that's the kind of thing that absolutely blows my mind. I, I got to speak to uh, Kevin from uh, Dermalogica. And uh, he told that story in, in Paris, uh, Paris Packaging Week, uh, about how they use Specrite and how they um, absolutely has changed the way they do business because now they can down to the, you know, minutia of, of reporting. They can, they can analyze their data. It's really exciting. Now, given that a lot of the people in this listening audience are either in sourcing or procurement, I would be remiss to not ask you about the cost of sustainability. Now, I know that there's, you know, bigger picture and there's total cost of ownership and there's, you know, get the cost associated with getting rid of something versus the cost associated with producing and using it. But generally speaking, do you find that uh, sustainable packaging costs more, the same, less? Yeah, great question. Very important to, to discuss because that's often been a pushback. And the answer is, it depends. Uh, and, it, and it oftentimes can be uh, a cost savings. Uh, it can be, uh, it can certainly be a, a major investment 
Um, but once once you've invested in it, it and the you know looked at the different equipment needed or the new machinery, um, you your long term uh, investment will make it more cost effective. Is is generally what I see in this world of sustainability uh, because things like a conversion to digital print uh, from flexographic print for corrugated or for um, uh, multi-layer pouches, you know these kind of things that that the, almost eliminates the need for waste. Um, it's it's incredible how more efficient these um, sustainable alternatives are. And yes, they can be slightly more expensive, but when you look at, for example, we just did an analysis where we were looking at um, digitally printing versus flexographic printing for some uh, some pouches for a brand. The tooling would have been the the print plates for the flexographic printing would have been three thousand dollars. So when you take that cost out of the digital version, it was actually a cost savings. Interesting. Now you've mentioned companies doing some exciting things. Um, and if you're in this space, those are probably familiar names. A lot of procurement teams are actually set up so that they're more category generalists, and you might come in and negotiate something with regard to packaging and then not come back until some number of years later when a contract is due for renewal. For people that are outside of this space, can you give any examples of companies that are leading the way by investing in their use of the the makeup of their packaging that would be good sort of case examples for people to look to in terms of leadership and best practices in this area. Oh yeah, there's there's so many amazing brands that are are leading the way. Companies like uh Dip, dipalready.com is um my friends Kate and Jonathan Azaroff started that company. It's solid shampoo and conditioners and uh, hair care products that are, are incredible. Uh, when, when we buy shampoo in the grocery store, it's 90% water. Yeah. And what they've discovered is, well, we can make this into a bar and make it so it uh, doesn't take up as much space and doesn't need a plastic bottle. Um Things like that are absolutely blowing my mind when with the world uh, this change, and it's a and it's a every day I see something new. It's so exciting. I've been in this industry for twenty five years, and I learn something new every single day. Uh, sometimes many uh, from these new companies that are are coming out with uh, unique ways to to package their products. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned with the shampoo, absolutely, the water component of anything makes it expensive. Mm -hmm. That's an example where shipping costs and packaging costs are actually not just changing a product, but inventing a new product, right? So it can, all this innovation can go in multiple ways. That is absolutely fascinating. Yes. And if, when I interviewed them on on my podcast, um, I was amazed at how many bottles of conditioner one of their conditioner bars would replace. So not only is it saving space, it is eliminating dozens of bottles per person uh, per year. It's, um, It's an incredible, it's an investment. Now, Corey, we have a tradition here 
on the Sourcing Hero podcast. So I want to sort of bring you into this. Every guest does this their first time that they come on the show. So I'm going to give you two questions and you can pick. There are no wrong answers and you can answer whichever one you like. (laughs) So the first question is, what does the idea of a Sourcing Hero mean to you? And the second option is a little bit broader and it's, how would you describe what heroism looks like in a business environment? So I'll, I'll mm. let you pick one of those questions and then uh, we'll listen to your answer. Well, I think I'll, I'll focus on the first one because it's, it's your, your podcast here. Uh, the source, what, what's the, what's the description of a sourcing hero or what is yes. it? What's the idea of it to me? So yeah. I think it's, you. I think what it means to me is someone that's, that's willing to, to take risks and someone that's willing to look at things differently and be open to ideas. So many times in my career at Aurora, I I knocked on doors and got them slammed in my face. And I think a good purchasing agent or a good purchasing team is open to listening to concepts and going through um, innovative ideas. And even if they think they're outlandish, I'm amazed at how s- certain people in this in this world of purchasing can absolutely um, change their the way their companies do things and and be you know absolute heroes by by innovating by trying new things and of course not all of these are successful absolutely but, uh, we have to try we have to we have to innovate and try, even if it means um, a small project to start. And that's I'm seeing a lot of that, a lot of, hey, let's do this one item this way and see how it works and see how consumers react to it. Well, I think that's fantastic advice. And, and it's so great because one of the things about packaging, this is to you know come back to sort of where we started, what I appreciate about having gotten my start in procurement in grocery retail is that mm-hmm. everybody goes to the supermarket, right? right? So that's something everyone can relate to. And, and packaging is something that everyone can relate to. I am sure I am not the only person that has opened a package and it's been full of styrofoam packing peanuts, mm-hmm. which you know are going to stick to everything and make an <laughs> enormous mess and thought, really? Is this is this really the best we can do? There's no better option than this. And then other times you open a package and you're amazed at the innovation and the materials that are used that are bringing really very delicate things into our homes in absolutely perfect condition. Um, so Corey, I appreciate you being here with me today to share about your experience, but you have a ton of other knowledge and conversations and content that I know people are going to want to consume. So if people are just meeting you now through this conversation, what would you say are some of the best ways for them to either get in touch with you or to learn from some of the other content that you've created? Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, LinkedIn is a big one for me. I'm on on there, Corey Connors, C-O-R-Y-C-O-N-N-O-R-S. Um, I generally respond to to messages that aren't sales pitches. Um, my uh, podcast is called Sustainable Packaging uh, with Corey Connors, uh, and that's. I also have a page on LinkedIn for that one. But um, yeah, really looking forward to communicating with with other people in this industry. I enjoy. 
uh, learning from from others and uh, the opportunity to to share knowledge if if they're interested. Excellent. Well, Corey, thank you so much for sharing your time and experience today. Thank you, Kelly. It's been an honor. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for the Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.